I think the, the prelude was really, really beautiful. I wanted to say thank you, Julie, but she's already gone in the house next door. So uh, uh, I thought that was uh, really nice here today. As I get to talk about husbands, let me, uh, let me ask you this question here this morning. And I'm sure you, sh- you know, shout out the answer if you know it, but let me ask you a question, and it has to do with what did Jonah's family say to him? What did they tell him when he was telling them what happened before reaching Nineveh? Um, sounds fishy. <laughs> families, we're dealing with families and reactions to things that we do as men. And speaking of which, I wrote down a little note here that uh, we all got titles of books in our libraries at home and things like that too. But as it relates to husbands, there's a whole lot of books in my library, you know, and they all have Julie Dunn's name in them, you know. <laughs> I have one, I think a James Dobson book, What Wives Wish Their Husbands Knew About Women, you know, back from 1974 or something. I don't know when that book was written, but uh, uh, anyway, there, there, I mean, there's, there's titles out there, things like Understanding the Man in Your Life. Uh, how about, What is a Man? Most women... Who are in the survey I read, they say, what is a man? The answer to that question, they are mainly little boys uh, grown, grown larger. <laughs> well, how about feelings? The great male struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, we can go on and on about different things as it relates to the males uh, in, in our society, and, and husbands particularly. You know, these are different things that we can talk about and, 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 and laugh about, but... Um, there's a lot written, and, and, and for me to share up here at the podium some of the thoughts that I have, I, I humbly am before thee, and, and because, uh, yes, I, I am a husband, I'm a male, I'm a guy, but in all that weakness that I just said, you know, and all the, all the extra examples about me, I, that hey, I'm still formed in the image of God, and the Bible would tell us I'm a gift, to Julie, as she is a gift to me, and designed by God. Let's open this message in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together here this morning. Yes, we broke bread in remembrance of you, dear Lord Jesus, and we thank you for the, for the, for the family unit that is gathered around and called as children of God. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and now, dear Lord, and Dear Father, we pray for a blessing upon the thoughts shared from the podium in a teaching time as it relates to our family series dealing with husbands here today. We ask for your blessings because how weak we are on this side of glory, dear God, imperfect in all my ways. But I pray for what is to be shared to be used of you and to be a blessing for you also to hear and for us to enjoy our little study here at our Bible Hour at our chapel this morning. So, God, we, we seek your blessings and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to start about and uh, talking about the home. I'm going to start talking a little bit about the home, which was established by God in his design for mankind when God made Adam and Eve and, and joined them together in holy matrimony. 
charging them to what? To be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. He instituted the first human family and home. God, our creator. The family unit is what the whole human social structure rests. And the home, the dwelling place of the family, whether it is in a hut or a mansion, is the fortification and defense of the community. Upon it, the home, the whole fabric of our civilization rests. If it goes, the nation goes. For the nation is but a unit of individuals who are welded together in family relationships. The importance of the home and the home life according to the mind of God is our focus as we continue in our series on the family here at the chapel. We are living in days when God's principles for mankind are being thrown aside and disorder and corruption exists all around us. It abounds, not only here in America, but all throughout the world. And this is what's happening. And this is what happens when men depart from God's order of things. Marriages are becoming less popular. Cohabitation, couples living together who are not married have, been, have become very, very common. In 1989, Denmark became the first country to recognize a legal relationship for same-sex couples, establishing registered partnerships, granting those in the same-sex relationship most of the rights given to married heterosexuals. It took more than a decade for same-sex marriage to be legal anywhere in the world. In December 2000, 2000, the Netherlands became the first country to establish same-sex marriage by law. In the first two decades of the 21st century, attitudes and legislations changed quickly in the countries, in many countries. In December 2019, <laughs> Just a couple of years ago, same-sex marriages were legally recognized in 30 countries. Same-sex marriage in the United States expanded from one state in 2004 to all 50 states in 2015. These changes have led to a, a broad transformation of family structures. And it's becoming more common for children to live with a single parent or with parents who are not married. In 2020, nearly 19 million children, amounting to 25% of all children in the United States, were living in single-parent families. The percentage is nearly three times the level of 1960 when it was at 9%. America's proportion of children living with a single parent is more than three times the worldwide level of 7%. Emphasis is being placed on the mass or the state, and the, Indian, the individual and the family unit is being displaced. Therefore, we have desired to have some teaching here at Northern Hills Bible Chapel. 
that will draw us to God's principles and purposes for us. That we may not be caught in the current trends of things that surround us and fail in the maintenance of what is true and godly. So what is a home? (laughs) Home is not merely a place where we eat and sleep, but it is the living, living space that is cherished where domestic love, rest, peace, and shelter from the evil world are known and enjoyed. Home. At least it should be. And as God designed it. It is not just the beautiful buildings and the lovely furniture that makes a home. (laughs) It is the happiness, the affections, the loving care found in the sanctuary of the God-given domestic circle. As God-given through that we have today in our Bibles. In a world of sin and rebellion, the home is provided by God to be a wholesome, offsetting influence and temporary living place from the trouble and the dangers and, and the worldliness of the world itself. This refuge with sweet family ties is God's merciful shelter from the storms and the roughness of life that we all experience. And a refuge from the direct power of Satan in this evil world. At least it was supposed to be. Home. But today's homes are filled with worldly influences that permeate through our TVs, our computers, and even our phones. But the Christian household, where one or both parents (laughs) belong to the Lord, is much more than just a blessed shelter and a refuge against evil of the world. It is the sanctuary in the midst of godless and Christless world. Home. Precious souls of our children are instructed morally to discern right from wrong. The Christian home is a sacred shelter where where God is acknowledged and where his spirit dwells and where his word shines as a lamp and as a light of the house and where the gospel is continually shared, pointing the way to heaven and to all who live there and to all who see us living there. Turn to Exodus in your Bibles with me this morning. From my first reference, I'd like to share with you Exodus chapter 10. I'm going to read just uh, 21, 22, and 23 in short comment. Verse 21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from the place for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Could you imagine that? Like the people of old Israel, our Christian homes are to have that heavenly light. 
that heavenly light to be in our dwellings, especially when all around is darkness. Home. This is established as two believers, a man and a woman, live together in holy matrimony. Every Christian home reflects somewhat of the heavenly home to which we are headed, where we are going. And it can be distinguished from those who don't follow Christ. I reread that a number of times after I wrote that last sentence. Every Christian home reflects somewhat of the heavenly home to which we are headed and can be distinguished from those who don't follow Christ. And I couldn't get off that thought for a little while, and I had to challenge myself. Is my home in Fairfield Township reflecting the light that I live in? In this, We all know the darkness is all around us, and our homes are being challenged to have that light on. There's another verse in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Starting with verse 18, let me just read from there. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as, as uh, frontals on your forehead. And you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them, when you sit in your house and when you walk around the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Steve Page shared this morning a little lesson in his house with his little boy. Ah, shepherd staff, look at that. Here's a candy cane, red and white. Steve, I thank you for that lesson. Those are all things we as men, as husbands, and as fathers are to continue to do. Teach our children what it is to be a Christian and to be godly. And yes, be a light in the darkness of this world. Like the people of old, the light needs to be seen, not just by the family members in your home but by others all around the neighborhood. God gives that beautiful description of what he wishes to see in every home. But God desires that his word be laid up in the heart of the parents. And I believe this is more the responsibility, more so of the husband in the Christian home to lead his family and establish the light in the home so his spouse Children and neighbors can recognize the home for the Lord's glory. I share this quote. Ava Gardner. Don't hit me yet. It's an old movie actress, all right? Ava Gardner, a movie star who died back in 1960. She was 68 years old. So it's beyond a lot of you guys. But she was asked about her failed marriages to fellow actors Mickey Rooney, Arnie Shaw, and Frank Sinatra. Her one-line response was, it's not my fault when you consider that my three husbands have had 20 wives. I share this with you this morning because broken promises of marriage vows are nothing new. Going back to when I was four years old, this quote. (laughs) Back in the 1960s. 
early. But anyway, in our world for many years, and certainly very plainly accepted by most in our society today, the practice of men and women, young and old, old ones too, running about with different companions, is certainly not of God. Affection is too sacred a thing to be played with. One and only one should ever be allowed into the innermost circle of human affection as God ordained it to be. To play fast and loose in such intimate matters is establishing the normalcy of the moral breakdown of the marriage and family. And this is the way of the world today. And this is evil in the sight of God. Christians should never follow such principles. The relationship of our domestic circle should express and reflect our own heavenly relationship. Throughout the epistles written by Paul, the Holy Spirit before us uh, exposes the full truth of our heavenly blessings. The things I share now for Christians who know the truth about Christ and his relationship with the Father and with his bride, the church, let us consider the most important and most intimate of all family relationships, and that is the husband and wife. This is the basic relationship of the home, which all other relationships depend upon. Okay? Remember, husband and wife is the first human relationship which God gave to mankind and is most blessed and sacred. Let's turn to that wonderful book of Ephesians where our heavenly corresponding earthly relationships are written about for us. Turn to chapter 5 in Ephesians. This is a portion of scripture where Phil shared last Sunday. And I'm sure we will be back here more often as we continue and deal with the family series here at the chapel. Chapter 5, verse 22. Let me read there. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, and he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but, uh, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. So that should characterize... The relationship of the wife to her husband is submission. 
to her God-given head. While love should be the mark of the husband who cares for his wife. These two things, the husband loving his wife and the wife showing respect and submitting to her husband, are the two essential pillars where the true peace and happiness depend. We hear these words a lot. We're we're called to Ephesians a lot. Wedding times are wonderful to go through these things, and we know the word of God. But this is God's word and his instruction to us in the home. Sometimes I feel we take it pretty lightly because we don't follow. Husbands, we need to love our wives. It's shared quite often from the podium here. These scriptures are shared quite often. God who created us knows the human heart perfectly. He knows. He knows our heart. And he knew what husbands and wives would fail at the most. And it's written about here in the scriptures. Yes, we fail at these things. But we're reminded always to find what God says in the word in our Bibles. And he inspired Paul here to give us his instruction, his divine wisdom in concise sentences telling us exactly what each marriage partner in this blessed marriage relationship most needs to cultivate and to work on. My emphasis this morning is on the portion of the husbands. Let's take uh, this as as from the Holy Spirit of God and realize that he recorded the most needful duty of the husband right here. Especially for maintaining the home and the home life. And that is to love his wife. Nourish and cherish her as Christ loves and nourish and cherishes the church. So the wonderful love of Christ for the church in its past, in its present, and in the future activities is to be the model of the husband's relationship to his wife and the character of his affectionate care for her now and always. Wow. Man's nature is not in general as tender and loving as a woman. I used to think that was because the man was the one who went out into the world of employment, exposed to the roughnesses and the coldness of the evil world and all of its temptations. But in most of my life, in today's world, Husbands and wives are both out in that world, equally out in the midst of the rough employment and the evilness of the world today. No wonder the spiral of the broken marriages are climbing higher and higher. Statistics are getting larger and larger. What a world we are living in. But yet we are called as husbands to love our wives, and to be the head of the home. Back in the 70s and early 80s when I was an early Christian, 
there were signs up in a lot of Christian homes, you know, Christ is the head of this home and, and all this stuff, you know, and they would walk into people's home, they put up signs and like Deuteronomy was telling us a little bit, you know, when you have nice pictures and testimonies of being a Christian. But I learned early on that that's a wrong stating. Christ is not the head of the home. He gave man to be the head of the home. What a position is ours. Just like Christ is head of the church, man is head of the home. Scripture presents a pretty high bar when it comes to married men. Husbands, <laughs> love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That may sound like an impossible task, but this love is the foundation of all good husband responsibilities and care that he is designed to do. From different personality tests and love languages and biological makeup, each wife is unique. Each wife is unique. Husbands ought to become students of their wives. We are called to be students of our wives, learning what her needs and what makes her different. The goal is to understand her. Are we doing that? Is that our goal, men? Husbands, to understand our wives, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. For one verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You husbands, it starts with, you husbands, likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. I want you to think about that verse for a while. But a good husband seeks to understand his wife. Husbands, we have great responsibility to understand our wives and to be sensitive to their spiritual, emotional, and physical needs. You wives may not think of yourself as the weaker vessel, but you know what it feels like when your husband does understand you. I'm sure this is especially important in times of transitional stress and things in your life, such as maybe even having a, having a child after the birth of a baby or a big work deadline that all the pressures of the job were on you in the world, and, and the husband understands. What a relief. What a blessing that would be and is when he shows understanding of what you're going through. Happy relationships between husband and wife are not only necessary for domestic joy and peace, and, but also for effective joint prayer. When both have understanding and are united together. When unhappy feelings exist between husbands and wife, the spirit is grieved, prayer is hindered, and heaven's blessings may be withheld. So, uh, number one, a good husband seeks to understand his wife. Number two, a good husband treats his wife as a gift. Proverbs 5.18 says, 
Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and abstains, uh, obtains favor from the Lord. In times of relational stress, both spouses are probably not viewing each other as a gift. <laughs> but Scripture makes it clear that a wife is a good thing that comes from God. In the last chapter of Proverbs 31, verse 28, it says about the worthy woman there that her, quote, her husband praises her. Just one question for you men, (laughs) you married men. When's the last time you praised your wife? Do you praise your wife? Good husband qualities are reflected in Paul's words in Ephesians 4, verse 2, for all to walk in. It says, quote, all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing one another in love. So, a good husband seeks to understand his wife. Secondly, a good husband treats his wife as a gift. Thirdly, I wrote down, a good husband cherishes his wife and knows that God has created everyone different. Each of us are a unique person. And as a result, these different characteristics in us individually, we men, have been attracted to our wives. And to these very characteristics that she shares. We're not attracted to every other woman, but to our wives. Husbands, if you've been married a long time, or even if it's just for a short time, why not revisit your promises that you've made to one another? I attended a family life seminar a couple of years ago, and I got to say some marriage vows to Julie again. I'm one of those guys, I'm not that sentimental, I'm not that, that you know, wanting to do things like that. I can, you know, okay, I'll stand up, yeah, we'll hold hands and... In fact, the first day we got, I mean, the first time I ever said those vows to her, Julie was nervous as a, as a cat being chased by a dog. Standing up on the podium with, the, with my, my, my brother John marrying us, you know, we're holding hands and we're saying our vows, and Julie's going like this. I'm, trying, I'm going, would you quit? Relax, Julie. But here it is, now it's me, 35 years later, saying, okay, I'm, you know, do I really want to do that? But you know what? We need, as men, to renew our vows and to take a look at what we actually said. Do you remember what you said? Let me go over. Let's look at some of the language most, if not all, men used at their wedding ceremony. All right? If I had a PowerPoint like the rest of you guys who know how to do this, it would come up there, boom. And it would say, I, blank, fill in the blank. I, man, take thee, woman, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. What a vow. I take thee to be my wedded wife. This phrase is about free will. This isn't a forced marriage. (laughs) 
You've selected this person, guys. You've selected her to be your wife. And now saying, I take thee to be my wedded wife. This voluntary decision establishes personal responsibility on your half for the choice that you made. You have a free will in selecting your mate, just as you have a free will to choose to follow God or not. God does not choose your spouse, but he firmly stands by the commitment you make to your spouse. God holds you to those words. You made it in front of me and hundreds in your wedding ceremony. Look at Mark. Turn in your Bibles. Look at Mark chapter 10. In Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 6. But from the beginning, Jesus is speaking. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Verse 9, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Wedded. To be my wedded wife. Wedded means connected. Attached, joined, yoked, united. So the phrase, I take thee to be my wedded wife, is really saying, I choose you as my teammate. I freely unite myself to you for life. To have and to hold. This isn't a statement of ownership. It refers to belonging together. This passage here in Mark chapter 10 is a quote from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Again, it says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The Greek word for cleave, i got it spelled out here, but I, I'm not good at the Greek. But it means to join or unite, to glue one thing to another. To have and to hold means you're... You're promising a close marital bond that, that can't be broken. Husbands, love your wives. To love and to cherish. Love means you will sacrifice. You, you'll give up something highly valued for the sake of someone else considered to have great value. To have, to love and to cherish. Cherish means to recognize your spouse's incredible value as a human being. As a child of God and as one person you've chosen to spend your life with. Men, love your wives. But for how long? Till death do us part. Did you say those words? Did you share that at your... In your wedding ceremony, men, till death do us part. The phrase, until death do us part, means you're, you're making a lifelong commitment that death should be the only thing that de- dissolves the marriage bond. This vow was really written by God back in Matthew chapter 19, 4 through 6. You can turn there, but I'll read it. 
Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two but one flesh? What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Husbands, love your wives. Marriage is a picture of a relationship between Christ and the church. And aren't you thankful? Brothers, married men, single, anticipating to be married, or someday will be, or maybe not, but to the husbands today, aren't you thankful that God does not divorce even when we are unfaithful? Really, the last thing I want to share this morning, I want to mention here, is directed to the wives. As it relates to your husband and his love and commitment to you and your family. If any of you are having difficult in your marriage and your husband is not loving or fully committed to your relationship, I want you to tell me. Tell me or one of the other elders here in the church. We will come alongside you, ladies, and seek out your husband and his reasoning for the neglect you might be feeling. I will hold your husband accountable to your marriage and, to, and do all I can to help you both glorify the Lord as one, now in the flesh, as husband and wife. Husbands, love your wives. Anna, can you come up and let's sing one song together as I close my thoughts. You know the words. Verse, it's number 43 in the red book. It speaks of us being bound together to the Lord, but today I, I couldn't, I, you know, this whole week I kept singing, bind us together. And I kept thinking about husbands and wives and our relationship with one another and, and the importance of a man to love his wife, to be bound together not only with the Lord Jesus Christ, but as one with the Lord, as one with your wife. Bind us together. Let's sing just the first verse, not the second, or just the chorus, not the first verse, but just the chorus. It starts that way. Very simple, four, four lines. Let's sing it. Thank you for the opportunity to, to sing and to request that thought. Binding us together as men, as husbands to our wives, I, I pray for a blessing upon marriages in our chapel. I pray for, Lord, your healing hand and that your love continue to show and to help us love our wives, Lord. Uh, that's the, the thought of today. Thank you for your scriptures that tell us how weak we men would be without this guidance and instruction from you to love our wives. But you designed us from the beginning of time, the beginning of man and woman. Lord, you put us together to create a family. 
And to have a marriage relationship as one, what a reflection it is for you. You designed this marriage relationship, and I thank you, dear God. But help us in our sinful state. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin in our lives. And we pray that we might walk from here and and, and to be a reflection for you, not only to our spouses and to our children, but Lord has the nation of Israel in the midst of the dark world around them to be a light for you in the midst of the darkness. So we pray for your help. Help turn our hearts to you. Lord, we, we thank you for the wives that you've given to us from our youth. And we pray that we might honor and love and cherish them as we continue on through our days until you call us home to glory. Or because of health and the ways of the world in our bodies, we are called by death. But Lord, we pray for marriages and thank you for them. Thank you for the opportunity to have a home and to bless you with. So, Lord, we thank you for the institution that you designed. Help us all, single or married, honor you and keep the light of life shining in our homes as we thank you for this opportunity to be together this Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.